Have you ever wondered what heaven is like? Do you ever wish you could meet a real-life saint? Ever imagined what it takes to be a saint? You are not alone. Really, heaven is not a prison, and the saints are not secluded. Join us on the discovery of a lifetime as we probe the mystery of the communion of saints. Find that the promise of heaven begins now, and companionship with the saints begins today. No longer strangers, bonding with the saints in heaven and on earth. Welcome to No Longer Strangers. This is Father Taylor, your host again. And first of all, I want to start off with an apology. I did not get a chance to do part three of our spiritual warfare talk, but hopefully I'll cover some of those things in this talk today. Anyways, on that note, let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God, our Father, we thank you and praise you for the ways that your spiritual gifts are present to us in this world. We we thank you, Lord, for the guidance you give to us. And Lord, we pray for all those who are on their way as well to your spiritual kingdom. Lord, we ask you to bless us and give us open hearts and minds, aware of the spiritual realm around us, and desirous to reach that kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, I was going to plan to do a part three of my spiritual warfare talk. I'm going to meet up with Jonathan and Tim again, but unfortunately, things got busy. People got sick. Halloween, All Saints Day, All Souls Day came around. So it was very busy, but um, again, I'm hoping to kind of cover some of those things in this talk as well. So... Without further ado, let's jump right in. Remember, remember the Ides of November. That was the great warning given to Julius Caesar in kind of the prophecy of his death. Um, November has always been a month for almost every culture of a certain almost natural mysticism. When we look at this season of year, we, we can see that there is naturally something that happens in the world around us, a change that happens. Days get shorter, nights get longer, trees begin to lose their leaves, harvest for the farmers is, is done, we look at um, the coldness that begins to enter. There, there's already this kind of reflection naturally that happens on transformation, change to come. Life that comes after a certain death. That's that's something we're all aware of with this season. And throughout every culture, around this time, we have what's kind of considered like a thinning of the veil, a thinning of the veil between the spiritual and the physical. And we can see this in many of the cultures, who again, who have created different harvest rituals, spiritualities, um, even in astronomy, there's the uh, there are the Pleiades. It's the seven sisters of considered Atlas, and you can normally notice. And people will sometimes call it the the little little dipper. It's in the sky, and around this time of year, they they reach directly overhead. They go they they reach right overhead at midnight, and those seven sisters have always kind of been considered these like spirits from the other world. Um, we've had we have several actually meteor showers that take place during October into November. 
And those have always kind of been images for people of souls sort of entering into a new life, you know, these kind of bright bursts and everything. All well and good. You know, those are all just some very basis of things which become the bedrock ultimately of the supreme thing that we remember during this time. We remember above all that this is a midway point in the darkness of our year that between the equinox that happened in September and the solstice, which happens on December 21st, around this time we reach sort of the midpoint, kind of midnight of this this great night, which is our, our year. And um, th- there's just a lot more activity. There is, in a sense, an almost thinning of the veil. And this has been a time naturally to reflect upon, even for Christians, what comes after. We begin this month on November 1st with All Saints Day. And of course, I have so much I can say about All Saints Day, and I'll probably have to do another podcast just on that. But we recognize, you know, the, these the saints, as we've said so many times before, they, they are still alive. What we're really ultimately celebrating in a powerful way is that they have been already judged by their life, by their merits, by their closest to Christ, to be to be worthy, to be prepared for heaven. And there is already now a way in which their souls are seeing the beatific vision to a certain way. Um, one of the things we have to say is that after each person individually dies, at the moment of your death, you are judged. You know, we're preparing for this upcoming Sunday to be Christ the King. The crowning and the final thing of everything, as we come to the end of the liturgical year, as we come to the end of the physical year, as we come to the end of the world, the end of the universe, we're met by Christ. Christ is there. Christ as King. He is supreme over all things. He is Lord over all. He rules and governs all things. Spiritual, material, living, dead, everything. And... We recognize he cra- he's crowned as king on the cross. You know, this Sunday we will hear about Christ on the cross. Even in heaven, he bears the wounds of his sacrifice on the cross. There's this great tie with that. He is king partially because of that great act. He is he is king because he is God, but he's also king because he has, in a sense, merited it. You know, as God, having undergone this, he has won everything for himself. And it is through death that his kingdom is entered in, that we enter in his kingdom. It's it's primarily then through death that we encounter Christ the King. At each of our death, we are then judged by God. We're judged by Jesus, who is the King. Those who are saints, we would say, they were judged to be worthy of heaven. And that their souls already kind of experience the presence of God. Now, there's this intermediary kind of period where we're we're still making up, in a sense, not just what lacks in the suffering of Christ, but also in the resurrection, where just as Jesus died and three days later was raised, so too with us. You know, we die, but then there's still a, a time period before we're raised, before the final resurrection, the end of time. And so these saints, they have at their personal judgment been judged worthy of heaven, but they still await the final resurrection when their bodies will be raised up 
and then together they will be able to enter heaven. And that's the thing that saints are. You know, saints are not angels. Saints are what we are called to be. Persons, body and soul in heaven as the body of Christ, as Jesus was when he rose from the dead. You know, it's not just our souls that go to heaven. Our bodies are meant to that. The soul and the body have such a close union that they they are made for one another. Not just and not just made in the sense of like one's made and the other's made and they're kind of put together like a sandwich, but God makes the soul the moment he makes the body. They're, they're immediately made for one another. And in a sense what we can say is it's not even that like my soul my body houses my soul, but you could almost say that my body is a physical expression of my soul. My, because my soul is my truest identity. My body is animated by it. It is living it out is the expression of what my soul is. That's how much they're meant to be. You know, an image that was kind of used is, you know, you have like some molten silver and then you strike, you know, a seal onto it. And for that moment, the image on that that seal when it's impressed upon to that soul, that image and the silver become one. You no longer can separate. You can't separate the image from that seal with the silver itself. And that's kind of what happens when we're created. Our soul is that, that image from the seal that is wedded to our bodies and our bodies then kind of become conformed almost to that soul. Um, you know, so it's this kind of beautiful reality. Now, our bodies are still waiting for that resurrection, but our souls are also waiting for that resurrection. Our souls are waiting to have our bodies together. And so what we celebrate with All, Soul, All Saints Day is that in the end, our bodies will be raised up, united with our souls, and will rejoice in heaven. That this, this will complete the Easter mystery. I read somewhere that All Saints Day almost is more triumphant than Easter because Easter was the resurrection of Christ the head and all saints is the completion where it is all is now the body rising um, kind of this beautiful mystery to reflect on so that's the saints now what we also reflect on though is that there are many of us who probably still have some work to be done before we get to heaven um, these are the souls in purgatory. Purgatory, you know, there's a lot I can say about purgatory. There's so much. But purgatory is a place of purging where there are different things in this life that have clinged to us that they require us to be set free from before we can enter heaven. You know, we're not, we, we have not been judged to go to hell, but we're, we're still not clean perfectly to enter heaven. So there's this stage of purification. Um, I love the image from Isaiah, from the book of Isaiah, where he's standing before the throne of God, and all the angels and saints says, Woe is me, you know, I'm a sinful man. And it says the angel flew to the altar. Now keep in mind, he's having a mystical vision. Flew to the altar, grabbed this piece of charcoal burning from the altar, touched his lips, and he said, Now see that this has touched your tongue. Your sins are purged. Your lips are made clean. This is kind of interesting because he's having a mystical vision of heaven. But 
you know, right off the side is this altar of burning coal. What? Why is that there? What? What's it there for? And it has a purging power to it. What's? Well, it's purgatory. You know, it is this place to purge. You know, so we can fully reach God completely and purify. Um, and so we we recognize that there are many people in purgatory. Um, this month of November is specifically devoted to them because we we think about that we recognize marking the beginning of this month think about the saints thinking about this thinning of the veil recognize those who have passed through death and are now preparing for heaven but are being purified and we have to remember that one they have entered a stage where they fully now see the goodness of god they fully see the glory of god they also see the kind of dirtiness of their sins, of, of our own sins. And um, that's something that they kind of judge themselves on. Of Like, wow, I know I'm not ready for heaven. And purgatory is them coming closer to enter it. Um, in some ways, there's been different images. They can even say it's also like just coming closer to God, like coming out of a... And when you come out of a dark room into a light room, there's this almost burning that kind of happens to your retinas. You know, like, oh, it's really bright and it takes a while for you to readjust. Well, there's kind of sometimes this that reality that the soul that's not properly prepared, when it's entering into to go see God, it passes through purgatory. There's this stage of purifying, of, of you know, a, preparing itself to be able to see God fully. Um so November is dedicated to the holy souls. It's a month where we pray for them. Um, you know, and it's kind of this very powerful reality that the souls in purgatory are still part of the church. We call them the church suffering. There are hundreds of thousands of members of the church who right now are suffering in purgatory. They're trying to go to heaven. They're preparing to go to heaven. But they have to reach there through a process of purification. However, we can help them. We have a great ability to help them. First of all, by our prayers. Simple prayers that we offer for the souls in purgatory can help them go to heaven. We can offer indulgences. We can offer various prayers that have been lifted up for the souls in purgatory. And this is a great gift. One of the really powerful things I think sometimes we overlook is that doing good deeds, especially giving alms to the poor, is a great way to alleviate the sufferings of the souls in purgatory. A lot of our what we do, a lot of our belief in purgatory comes very much from um, comes very much from our belief in the book of Maccabees. In the book of Maccabees, it talks about having. Um, you know, Judas Maccabeus and them saw that there was, um, you know, there was, there was some of their comrades who had died and everything. And they said, it is a holy and righteous thing to pray for the dead. And, um, one of the things they did was they collected alms on behalf of their departed soldiers and gave that to the poor. And that was a great gift to alleviate their suffering. And so I think we, we many times don't reflect on that fact that charitable works can be offered up for the souls in purgatory. 
one of the things we reflect on when we with any good deed especially charity there's kind of four four things that it brings out first of all it brings out merit so it brings out merit for for you and i and that's something that is going to be ours you know no matter what happens the the merit is really transformed by the charity itself um and we look at these heroic saints who offered their entire life to God. They gave everything, they surrendered everything. Well, there's still merit that they receive. I mean, in the sight of God, like He recognizes what they did, their their powerful sacrifice. Then there's expiation, and this is particularly conformed to God's justice when there is something that has offended, in a sense, God's divine justice. Expiation is to sort of like put things back into balance. Um, it says merit, expiation, reparation, which is when we do a do something good to make up for a sin that was committed, some damage that was done um, to God's heart, to an another to a neighbor, things like that. Um, so that's an, one of the other areas. And the final is appropriation, which comes from the Latin word propriare, which means to become favorable, which essentially is what we can offer for the souls in purgatory, that there would be a favorable sort of glance upon them, that essentially God, who sees them in their sinfulness, would look upon them with kindness and, and clemency and would welcome them in. So our good works can have all four of those effects, um, and each at the same time. And this is one of those really powerful things. We can do every good action for them. Um, we just we just celebrated St. Gertrude the Great, who was a beautiful saint, who also had a deep understanding of the mysticism of the church. And I really think mysticism is one of those forgotten sort of, I guess, vantage points we have in the church. And that's to see that everything in the church that's happening and at every moment there is the mystical sort of echo happening with it you know when we're celebrating mass there is the lamb's supper taking place in heaven when when we're throwing a baptism there is a new member being integrated into the body of christ um you know all these realities um are taking place within our church within everything and so gertrude you know really kind of reminded us that we are to live mystically doesn't mean we all have to be like monks and you know all those things but we have to at all times be seeking to see you know with our mind's eye with our, our, our eyes of faith the the spiritual reality so yes as we've talked about before seeing the presence of the saints but beginning by seeing the mystical reality of of christ the mystical reality of the church and of heaven that is around us that's where our mysticism begins and so seeing in all of our actions also an effect that they have on the rest of the body of Christ. And when one member suffers, the whole body suffers. When one member is exalted, the whole body exalts. So yeah, that's what we're called to do. Um, we see the saints in that same light. You know, their presence in the church is that, it's that mystical reality, that mystical union that they have with Christ himself with us. So we're... We, we can see our actions as having that. Um, and this is one of those calls we have that throughout the centuries, the souls in purgatory have been crying out for us. Great saints like Padre Pio, like 
St. Gertrude. Many of these people have seen the saints appear to them. Some of them being people who were pretty good in life. You know, they were monks, they were priests, they were bishops. But, you know, because of little faults, you know, some narcissism, a little infidelity in, in obedience or um, laziness in this area here or there. And that's their in purgatory to be cleansed of that, um, to be, you know, to be moved forward. Um, and one of the great things is that when we help a soul in purgatory, to get out of purgatory, well, that's a new saint in heaven. That's someone who's now in heaven because of our prayers, because of our good works. And they, in turn, will turn and look upon us and pray for us as well when, when we need it. Um, and so we can gain more saints in heaven because of that. And we ourselves can gain assistance. Um so this is a great time to reflect on this because we're coming up to Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving is a time people normally want to be generous. People normally want to help out. And that's a great thing. You know, when we help out the poor and the less fortunate, we are helping Christ. We're helping him in more than just one way. When we're helping these poor people, when we're giving alms to them, we're also helping the poor souls in purgatory. Our good works can have this appropriation that we offer for them. And so everything that we do, every good work, we yes, we should do it because of that good charity, because I'm seeing Christ in these poor, I want to help this human, but we also can say at the same time, I want to offer this, you know, for the souls in purgatory. Like some of the reading I've been doing is almost more than the prayers we offer, the good works we do are powerful. Uh, you know, the highest thing we can offer a soul in purgatory is above all the mass, have a mass said for anyone in your family that may have died that you think has not you know has not made it to heaven yet even people that you think have continue to have masses said for them you know if if you if you say a mass for someone that person's in in heaven well guess what those those appropriations just go to someone else go to another soul um so it's a win win so continue to have masses said um have masses said for the souls in purgatory in general then our personal prayers, um, you know, there's there's some great, powerful plenary indulgences we can offer for them. And then our, our good works, you know, our good works have a great power for the souls in purgatory. Um, so, you know, as we're beginning to do things like food drives and, you know, raising money for different organizations, you know, let us bear in mind, like, I can do this for my earthly brothers and sisters in need, but I can also offer this up for the souls in purgatory. So thank you all for joining again. Um, sorry I wasn't able to fully kind of get, get into my third part, but um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll regroup again sometime in November, hear a little more about you know what's taking place um, with the souls in purgatory with November. So let us pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God, our Heavenly Father, we ask that you will look upon us with kindness and love. We pray, Lord, that we may be able to see in a deeper way the power of the sacraments, that we may see the mystical reality of our church. Give us that mystical sight to see and to understand, that we may, with the mind's eye and with the eyes of faith, behold the mystical presence of Christ and his members of the church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. And why God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. God bless. Do you have an experience to share? 
Have you discovered a saint stalker? Has the spiritual life broken the barrier and transformed your everyday life? Or does heaven transform how you live on earth? We want to hear about it. Visit us at www.nolongerstranger.com or email me at frtreynolds at dioceselic.org. That's D-I-O-C-E-S-E-A-L-E-X dot O-R-G. And share your story and even join us on the show. God bless.